from two passages. First, a couple verses from Matthew 12, verses 46 and 50, and then we'll read from James 1. So, first Matthew 12, starting at verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And I will also read from James 1. starting at verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing." If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So far from Scripture, we'll now sing together hymn 12, verse 2. Our confessional reading this afternoon is from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49. Um, So as a church, we've now been working through the Lord's Prayer in our afternoon worship services for a while, and this week we come to the third petition. Uh, As we go through these petitions, 
We as a church should be thinking a little more about prayer. What is prayer? Why do we pray? And what does the content of our prayer look like? This afternoon, we're going to focus particularly on the content of prayer as found in the third petition. Uh, Lord's Day 49 can be found on page 562 of the Book of Praise, uh, and it's also projected up here as well. We read there this question, what is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Beloved brothers and sisters, it is actually a remarkable thing that happens when we read and hear God's word proclaimed. We just sang in hymn 12 about how Israel received the word of God, and I think we can pull that back up a second. Um, In there it says... How do you treat God's word? And then it reminds them who God is. He says, As Father, He established you, and did not He create you too? So He's a creator God who's speaking to you. He's Father God who's speaking to you. And then notice, it's not just creator God and Father God, but it's also the God who has been working with you. Think back on bygone times. Remember His gracious deeds in days of old. So it's Creator God, it's Father God, and it's Father God who has cared for them, and your Father can reveal their number. All this your elders will unfold. They can speak of everything that God has done for you, and if you read the story of God, the Creator God, the Father God's dealing with His children, you recognize it's a remarkable story. It's a wonderful story, and it's a powerful story of a Creator God who powerfully, compassionately, and graciously works with His people. Um, You can take that slide down if you want. So how do you hear God's word, and how do you act on God's word? Jesus told a parable in Matthew 21 which relates to this. I'm going to turn there and read it briefly with you. Uh, You can follow along if you like uh, Matthew 21. In, In this parable, some of you may be familiar with it, it's the parable of the two sons. It's about a father who is speaking to his two children two different sons, and Jesus says later, this is a parable about God speaking to the people of Israel through the Old Testament, even in the time of Jesus. And it is also God speaking to those who are not part of Israel, uh, the Gentiles, the tax collectors, the sinners. So in this parable, we'll look at these two sons and how they deal with God's word. Uh, Matthew 21, starting at verse 28, says here, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he, the son, answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. This father then went to the other son and said said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And then the crowd responds to him and they say, Well, the first, the first, the one who said I won't, but actually did. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. And he was speaking to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of the time, to the Israelites who were rejecting Jesus. He says, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, 
even when you saw how the tax collectors and prostitutes heard the word of John the Baptist, recognized their own sin, and turned to be baptized by John the Baptist, longing for the kingdom of God to be established in their life, to live a changed life, even after you saw how they dealt with the word of God and how it transformed their life, you did not change your minds and believe him. We need to pray. And this is a prayer that Jesus teaches us that we need to embrace. Your will be done. Your will be done. It's perhaps an area, and I don't want to speak for all of us, though I do speak for myself, it's, it's perhaps an area of prayer that we don't often spend much time with. So we're going to work through what Jesus means when he says, your will be done. We're going to see three things this evening, a need, a challenge, and a prayer. A need, a challenge, and a prayer. So first we're going to work through what he is actually saying, and then the second point, why is he saying it, and then finally, what is he telling us to do? A need, a challenge, and a prayer. Jesus Christ teaches his disciples to pray, your will be done. And now just a reminder for ourselves, who is that your in the third petition? Your is referring to our Father who is in heaven. And so we are praying, you are praying to your Father in heaven, and we're saying, your will be done. And who is your Father in heaven? Well, as we sang in hymn 12, as we confess, he's the creator God, the God of heaven and earth. And for the sake of Jesus Christ, he's also our Father. So your will be done refers to God's will. And God's will is a big topic. And a big question, what does it actually mean? There's two ways the Bible speaks about the will of God. And whenever we think of it, when we ask these questions, well, what does it mean? We always go back and we look at the Word of God. And we ask the question, how does the Word of God speak about it? And the Bible speaks of it in two ways. The first is called the sovereign will of God. What's meant by that is, Almighty God is the sovereign ruler of the universe and nothing happens in the world outside of his control. His will, God's will, ordains the events of history. Nothing happens by chance. And if you're unclear on what any of this means, you can also go to the, back to the Catechism. Lord's Day 10 explains the province of God really well. The sovereign will is also often called the secret will of God because we don't know the future. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. We just don't know. This is part of God's sovereign will. We don't know if this week is going to bring rain or sun. Uh, we might think we can predict it. We might think we are accurate in our prediction, but we don't know. We don't know if our home will sell. We don't know if we're going to get a new job or a promotion, and we don't know if maybe this week we'll find out that we're pregnant or maybe that we're sick or if a loved one is going to be healed. But God knows. Yet he has not revealed it to us and this is why they call the sovereign will of God also the secret will of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. So the question is what are we praying for when we say your will be done? Is it this kind of resigned humility before God where we recognize that God's in control and that his will is good, a resigned humility because God, whatever's going to happen, just let it happen. Your will is good. Or is there another way to understand this? The second way the Bible speaks about God's will is the revealed will of God. What the revealed will of God is, is God's plan and purpose for you. This is what God calls you to do 
God's will for your life. Because you actually do know what God's will for your life is. Jesus summed it up beautiful. He said, here's God's will for your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to know what God wants, you do today. We need to love the Lord our God with our whole being, internally, intellectually, instinctively, intensively. Love your neighbor as yourself. As you go through the day, do everything that you are doing out of love for God and for your neighbor. The Bible unpacks this a little more for us in the book of James. And there it says, bridle your tongue, don't be angry. Anger doesn't produce God's righteousness. Show mercy to the poor, to the widow, the orphan, the stranger. Kids, do you know what God's will is for your life? God's will for your life is that you will honor your father and your mother. Listen to your parents. Submit to them. That's God's will for your life. What does God want you to do each and every day? He wants you to listen to your parents. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. If you're working, submit to your managers, your bosses. Do all that you do for the glory of God. You see, there's a lot that God has revealed that isn't a secret. If you listen to the word of God, you know, and you can hear and you can read how God wants you to live. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may all do the words of the law. So here's the need, and that's our first point. Here's the need for this prayer, your will be done. Leviticus 18 verse 5 says, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And then in Luke 10, he says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So if you want to know what it means to live, well, God reveals it in his word. See, our priorities are all flipped upside down and turned inside out. Our sinful heart thinks that what it means to live is to get that next good job or getting healthy or buying a bigger house or getting the promotion. Maybe for you it's getting into that great university or getting good grades. That's what it means to live. No. God says here, if you want to know what it means to live and how to live, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. To do the will of God is to truly live. To disobey God's will is death. To do God's will is life. So to do the will of God is a fundamental need. It's an essential need for humanity because it is in the will of God that we find life. Now, if you know the story of Scripture, you also know that God knows how sin captivates us, how disobedience to God's will is the inclination of our heart, and how incapable we actually are of freeing ourselves from the rebellion, from that sin. How much we don't do of what we should be doing, and so the Bible also reveals how much we need a Savior. God doesn't just reveal the will of God as what we must do, but He also shows us how we will do it. 
And how we will do it is that we will put our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ and say, I can't do it myself. I recognize I cannot do it myself. I'm a sinner destined to die. I put my life in his hands, and he will guide and shape me according to God's will. So now we have the revealed will of God and the secret will of God. What are we praying in this petition when we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? I want you to take a minute and just think about your own prayers. I think a lot of our prayers center on the secret will of God. Am I going to be healed, Lord? I want to be healed. Lord, can you please make this happen tomorrow? Lord, I need your help here. Now, these prayers aren't wrong. James, is, James later on in his letter speaks about these prayers, and he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and by extension pray, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But here Jesus Christ is not teaching us to pray about these things. Here in this third petition... Jesus Christ is teaching us to pray about God's revealed will. Why? Because he says there, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the angels in heaven perfectly obeyed God's will. They do the will of their father and they carry out each of his instructions. Gabriel was sent to be a messenger to the Virgin Mary uh, and he went and he delivered that message to the Virgin Mary and he did it perfectly. And so all the angels will perfectly carry out the will of God but it is not that way on this earth. So, what is a will of God prayer? Lord, make me love you more. Make me love my wife more. Let me be more sacrificial. Lord, I'm single. Let me learn to love selflessly as a single person. Or to summarize it, as it is in the Catechism, grant that we and all men may deny our own will without any murmuring and obey your will, for it alone is good. Obey your will, for it alone is good. You see, now here's where we come to the challenge, our second point. What we are praying is your will be done. Doing the will of God, now that's a challenge. We listen, but we don't do. We listen, but then we want to figure out God's secret will. How often don't we find ourselves in conversations about what God wants us to do, and then somehow, some way, that conversation shifts to what are we going to get out of it? What's the result going to be? Where is this going to lead? We're trying to peer into the future when talking about what we're supposed to be doing in the present. In other words, we spend more time trying to play God than we do learning how to be human. Catechism speaks of carrying out our office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. We think our calling is to play God, to orchestrate the events of life, rather than to do human tasks like love as husbands and wives and co-workers and friends and neighbors. What's the problem? Well, James addresses it in chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Now, just a point here, it does assume that you're already a hearer of the word. 
it does assume that when you're reading your Bible, you're actually hearing it and listening to it. It does assume that when you're sitting here in church, that you're listening to the preaching of the Word, that you're not daydreaming about what you can do next week or how you can save the world. No, you are actually hearing the Word of God. If you're struggling with that, there are ways to take notes, aids to help you continue to focus on the Word of God. Why? Because this is the Word of God, the Creator God, the Father God, who's speaking to you. Now, that's not the thrust of the passage. The thrust of the passage isn't about hearing and actually assumes hearing. Be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. In other words, you come here, you think to yourself, that's wonderful, good message, that's great. That's something everybody should be doing. But then you don't do it. You hear, but don't do. And the problem isn't that you're not coming to hear the Word. You come to hear the Word, and you want to hear the Word, and you're taking notes uh, if you need to do that in order to hear the Word so you can remember um, the Word. You're here every week. You read your Bible every day. And some of us are passionate and religious about it. It's not something you would ever miss. But what's the problem? The challenge that James is speaking about here is it says, don't deceive yourselves. It's not just about hearing. It's also about doing. We're not praying. Jesus didn't teach his disciples. He didn't teach you and I to pray, Lord, let your will be heard. No, it's your will be done. We cannot deceive ourselves into thinking that we come to church, we listen to the preaching, we read our Bible intently, and then we think, okay, I'm done. I've done your word when all we've actually done is heard it. The dangerous truth is this. We think that by thinking about doing something good, even when we don't actually do it, it makes us somehow better. You've probably had it. I know I've had it. Where you see perhaps somebody being bullied or somebody who's uh, in need, and in your mind you see them hurting and you, you want to reach out. You think, I've got to step in. Um, but then the moment passes and it's gone and you think about it a couple hours later, and you think, well, you know, at least I had a heart of love. At least I wanted to help. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Thinking about doing good isn't the same as doing good. Our lives are riddled with good intentions that are never carried through. Hearing is perhaps the easiest part. Agreeing with it is easy. Doing it is the hard part. And so here's what happens when that becomes how we operate. We don't actually really want to look in the mirror anymore. You hear the word of God and we read the Ten Commandments and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you hear those words and you say amen or maybe in your heart you, you say it quietly. Um, but, you, but you agree with it wholeheartedly. But you never actually look at your own heart and ask yourself, am I doing the will of God? Take a moment. Think about it. Look at yourself. How often have you spoken about a good sermon and then it never actually changed your life? How often do you leave thinking, well, that's a good point. I should think about that more. I should do that. And then nothing ever happens. The prayer that Jesus is teaching us, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
the reality, the fullness, the glory of your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let us see. Lord, let us see in this world. Let me see in my heart, a heart that fully and completely embraces you, just instinctively and out of desire and out of longing, and let my heart enjoy to be engaged with you. Because I know, Lord, how far I am from that. Time and again, so often it's my will that I want to do, not your will. And so this prayer is far more than just making people hearers of the word, hearers of sermons, or readers of Bible. That's not what we're praying for. We're praying that the word of God that is preached and that is heard might actually change our life. And perhaps that's why it's part of our prayer. Because the need of doing God's will and the challenge of actually doing it ends with Jesus teaching us to pray, your will be done. We pray because Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done. What is prayer? Prayer is a recognition of personal helplessness and the presence of a helper. Prayer is a thankful response. As you recognize your great need, you see that there is one to whom you can call, and he will answer. Prayer is coming into the presence of the God who helps with humility, confessing inability, asking for his help. So Jesus says, pray. And why does he say pray? He says pray because you're not going to solve the challenge of doing it by yourself. You're not going to solve it by trying harder this week. Yes, that's something the Bible teaches as well and encourages to continue to walk and strive for holiness, but you must look to Jesus. Pray. Pray. Don't blame. It's far too often that as we come and we face the reality of how much we fail at doing, that we blame it on situation or circumstance rather than on ourselves. If only I could focus more only I had more accountability partners, if only my accountability partners, uh, you know, followed through on it, if only my family would create more time, if only my pastor or the elder could be a bit more eloquent, maybe give one more good example, um, you know, that I could take home with me, if only the Bible studies we went to were a little more encouraging and uplifting and engaging. Maybe all those things aren't the problem. Maybe the problem is we need to embrace this prayer before we look for those things. But as we come to hear the word, we get together as a family or we get into our prayer and we say, Lord, I long to hear this word. And I long not to just hear this word, but I also want to be a doer of this word. And I recognize not only are my ears so hard of hearing, my heart is so hard of being changed, and my strength is so prone to doing my own will. Lord, make me a hearer and a doer of your will. The answer that James gives in this letter is, but be doers of the word. In James 1 verse 25, he says, don't be like the one who looks at himself and hears and says wonderful or not so wonderful and then goes away and forgets. But, and that word but gives the contrast, he says, here's what you're called to do. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, And maybe we should just take a second to explain what the law of liberty is. The law of liberty is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why is it called the law of liberty? Because it's the law that does not condemn, but gives life. Because Jesus Christ has paid for all our sins with his precious blood. So we can stare into the full glory of the law and recognize that we can embrace it with joy and with freedom and with thanksgiving. 
because that has been given to us in Jesus Christ, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, who looks into the gospel of Jesus Christ and sees Christ making atonement for sin and giving strength for overcoming of sin. So persevere, and persevere being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Why? Look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it tells you the truth about yourself, the truth about God, the declaration of righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ that I am not my own, that as you stare back into that mirror and you see the full ugliness of sin, you don't need to run away, and you don't need to forget But rather, as you stare into the law of liberty, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can begin to long to see that transformation, the makeover, because that's what the gospel promises. It's a constant prayer. It's a persevering prayer. It's recognition. And as we live joyfully knowing that God fully and freely accepts us because of everything that Christ has done, we're justified by faith. We're given a position of holiness And we can, in that position, pursue it eagerly and all the more, knowing there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Eagerly looking to see that transformation, that sanctification taking place, longing to have the clothes of Christ's holiness. As we think back to the parable with which we started, I pray that all of us will not only eagerly hear the word, but also seek to be doers of the word. And then as we embrace that, that we might do so knowing that this is the promise of the gospel. It is God's work in us. It is the Spirit who takes up residence in us, and so we pray. Why? Because God will give His Spirit to those who eagerly and earnestly and perseveringly pray for His work. Jesus said, Who are my brothers and my sisters and my mother? Those who do the will of God. May our prayer be, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.